This is Jarrett McKinnon, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Nation, it's your friendly neighborhood trash man, and this is the garbage grab. More particularly, this is the fantasy fallout going into week three of the NFL season. Wow, week two. Um, yeah, so <laughs> in the wake of all that carnage that happened, we have quite a few moves we're gonna need to make if we want to keep moving forward in a positive direction. In fantasy football. So let's go ahead and get started with the first game. Bengals at Browns. Bengals lost us from 30 to 35. Bengals tight end CJ Uzoma went down to a torn Achilles in week one, leaving second year tight end Drew Sample to take over the starting role in Cincinnati. The tight end is a rookie quarterback's best friend and Sample in the Thursday night second in targets with nine to only AJ Green, who had 13. Sample needs to be owned. In all formats where you need a tight end right now. Through two games, Joe Burrow is averaging over 20 fantasy points per game, which is not bad for a rookie. His offensive line is garbage, but Burrow is showing enough to poise to believe in him as a regular season fantasy contributor. He's still owned in about 25% of leagues, so go get him if you can. T. Higgins, rookie receiver, played in three wide sets for the Bengals on Thursday, ahead of John Ross, notably. No big game for the rookie, but the snaps, which he had 23 of, were a good sign. With A.J. Green only picking up 29 yards on 13 targets, the Bengals will be wise to get Higgins more involved. On the other side of the ball, let's not get it twisted. The Browns won, but Baker Mayfield was pretty pedestrian in the victory. Possibilities for mistakes were limited as they only threw the ball 23 times on the night. Odell Beckham led in targets with only six. The Browns did and will continue to lean on their running game to buoy their offense, making Kareem Hunt an every week flex at worst. Both he and Chubb will get enough action to start both of them weekly. On to the next game, the Jaguars at the Titans. Jaguars lost this one 30 to 33. The Jaguars continue to lean on undrafted free agent James Robinson in the running game. 16 carries, 102 yards, and a touchdown as he led the Jaguars with 16 carries on Sunday. With 6.4 yards per, per carry average, Robinson will likely hold on to the job even when Reichwell Armstead and Divine Azigbo return to the fold. Robinson is still unowned in about 30% of leagues, so let's get that number down. DJ Shark is fourth on the team in targets after two weeks with just seven on the season. It, lo- it looks like Gardner Minshew is not playing any favorites, and he's not going to force the ball to Shark, especially now that defenses see him as the top receiving option there. Keelan Cole is emerging as a real weekly threat and should be owned in 12-team in larger formats. He had six receptions for 58 yards and a touchdown, his second touchdown in as many weeks. 
Speaking of weekly threats, LaVisca Chenault is getting enough action in both the run and passing game, 72 all-purpose yards, to warrant weekly flex consideration in PPR formats. He's only going to get better, folks, so pick him up. On the other side of the ball, Jonu Smith, our boy, four receptions, 84 yards, two touchdowns. He's turning into the weekly tight end one that I've been saying he would all summer. He's still unowned in less than 70% of leagues, so go get him if you can. And then we need to milk this Corey Davis action as long as we can. Things are going to get awkward whenever A.J. Brown returns for both players, actually. But Davis looks like a safe start for the time being. Three receptions, 36 yards, and a touchdown. Second touchdown in as many weeks. Slot man Adam Humphreys, five receptions, 48 yards, and a touchdown. Deserves a long look in PPR formats as well, as long as Brown is out. We are rounding into fall, and at mybookie.ag, that can only mean one thing. It is winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor pools, and more. At mybookie, winning season is all about your chance to win big. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Invest in your intuition. Select from hundreds of futures bets, or you can bet games in real time with MyBookie's live betting. Put that big brain of yours to use. Use promo code ROSTER, R-O-S-T-E-R, in all caps, and double your first deposit. That's promo code ROSTER, R-O-S-T-E-R, at MyBookie.ag. New players can get up to $1,000 in free play. So if you're a new customer, you get a 100% deposit match. That means if you put in $100, you get an extra $100 to play with. So it's that same deal, all the way up to $1,000. Thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today, only at MyBookie. And remember, use promo code ROSTER. On to the next game, Panthers at Buccaneers. Panthers lost this one 17-31. Christian McCaffrey suffered an ankle injury that took him out of the game on Sunday and left him questionable return. Now he's questionable to return in four to six weeks. Oh, this is a soul-crushing injury. Well, not as bad as it could get or will get. <laughs> we'll see. Mike Davis needs to be added if you're a CMC owner and maybe otherwise. Davis isn't a sexy ad, but he'll be effective and his floor should be considerably high in that offense. Trenton Cannon is the next in line and should be added in deeper formats if you have the space. Curtis Samuel was the odd man out in the Panthers receiving court for the second straight week. Two receptions, 13 yards. Even with Christian McCaffrey sitting, he's not an advisable start and can probably be dropped for a hot waiver ad. On the other side of the ball, it was quick, but Leonard Fournette unseated Ronald Jones as the Buck lead back, or at least it looked like it in week two. To, to great effect, I mean, 16 touches, 123 yards, two touchdowns, monster game for Fournette. He took over after a Jones fumble, and he ran with it. With only 3.3 yards per carry for Jones to Fournette's 8.6 yards per carry, Jones can't be relied upon in 12-team leagues or smaller. I expected a big game for Scotty Miller, but he only received three targets on the day to Mike Evans, 10, and LaShawn McCoy, 7. He ended up with two receptions for 11 yards. With the Bucks leading big from the start, he wasn't a necessary part of the game plan. He's worth owning in deeper leagues, but I can't advise starting him this week against the Broncos. 
And no, LaShawn McCoy is still not worth uh, adding unless you're in a very deep league. On to the next game, the Broncos or the Steelers. Broncos lost this one 21-26, almost won it with a backup quarterback. Drew Locke is out for two to six weeks with a shoulder injury, making Jeff Driscoll the starter in Denver. Driscoll ended up with 256 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. He played well in Locke's absence against one of the best defenses in the league. So that's an encouraging sign. If you were depending on Locke for any reason, Driscoll seems like a reasonable ad right now. Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and K.J. Hamler each had at least six targets in this one. And this kind of usage should continue in negative grain scripts like the one they'll probably have against Tampa this week. Although it doesn't look like Sutton will be playing. Hamler is probably the only one of the guys who's available (laughs) in your leagues anyway. And he makes for an intriguing PPR option this week. On the other side of the ball, Deontay Johnson was the overwhelming target leader for the Steelers in week two, and he has 23 targets total on the season. He had 13 in this game. He's emerging as the team's number one receiving option, and he's still available in about 15% of leagues. So go get him. Rookie Chase Claypool, wide receiver, had a big day against Denver, but 84 out of his 88 yards came on one single play he's not getting enough targets to warrant weekly fantasy consideration but it's something to think about on to the next game the rams at the eagles rams lost this one rams won this one 37 to 19 with cam Akers with a rib injury and malcolm brown with a finger injury daryl henderson may end, up, may end up leading the rams backfield against the bills this week he had 14 touches 121 yards a touchdown in week two He's the top waiver ad this week, in my opinion, at only 32% ownership. Although it does look like Malcolm Brown will give it a go. Van Jefferson, rookie receiver, continues to work his way into the Rams' plans. Four receptions, 45 yards, and he should be owned in dynasty and keeper formats. His involvement is only going to increase, and he would be a major contributor if something were to happen to Robert Woods or Cooper Cup. On the other side of the ball, Miles Sanders is okay. After a week one scare, looks like he's one of the only okay running backs in the league right now. Although the Eagles look like trash through two weeks, Boston Scott, Boston Scott can go back to benches. And though just fit in targets for the Eagles, Jalen Rieger played more snaps than any Eagles receiver against the Rams in week two. He's going to start showing up in the box score with that kind of weekly action, four receptions, 41 yards in week two. On to the next game, the 49ers at the Jets, 31 to 13. It was like the Red Wedding as, <laughs> from Game of Thrones, as many injuries were going on. Jimmy Garoppolo suffered a high ankle sprain and could be out from four to six weeks. Although they're now saying maybe he'll give it a try this week. I don't know. Nick Nolan's played, well, he didn't play that great. Um, he went 8 for 11, 71 yards, and in an interception. But Mullen started eight games in 2018 and had a positive touchdown-to-interception ratio, barely 13 to 10. So that's what we'll be working with if Garoppolo cannot go. Kendrick Bourne led the 49ers in receiving with Debo Samuel and George Kittle sideline, four receptions, 65 yards for Bourne. Brandon Ayuk played limited snaps in his first start, but could see his usage increase, will see his usage increase, 
as long as Kittle and Samuel are out. And otherwise, Raheem Mostert has a mild ACL sprain and could miss a week or more, probably more. Tevin Coleman got the bulk of carries in his absence with 14, but he only gained 12 yards on the day. Jarek McKinnon was much more effective, 77 yards and a touchdown. Coleman is now expected to miss at least a week or two with a knee injury. So it is all systems go with Jarek McKinnon. On the other side of the ball, the Jets are a dumpster fire. So take all of this with a grain of salt. Frank Gore led the team with 21 carries for 63 yards and was involved even when the Jets trailed significantly. He's no spring chicken, but Gore could actually help a lot of teams out right now, considering the carnage that went on in week two. Braxton Berrios, wide receiver for the Jets, six receptions, 59 yards, a touchdown, led the Jets in receiving for what it's worth and it can provide some PPR value as long as Jamison Crowder is sidelined as he's playing that role. On to the next game, Bills at Dolphins. Bills won this one 31-28. Josh Allen would not be denied on Sunday, putting up over 400 yards and four touchdowns. With the league high in four wide sets this far, multiple wide receivers could eat every week for the Bills. Rookie Gabriel Davis has played at least 40% of the Bills' offensive snaps. And though he only caught one pass on Sunday, it was a touchdown and he should stay involved moving forward. He's a nice speculative ad in Dynasty and deeper format. Zach Moss and Devin Singletary had a close to even timeshare on Sunday, 8 to 10 carries. Both are decent flex options in 12 or more team leagues. On the other side of the ball, Miles Gaskin, my man, is still a backup according to <laughs> offensive coordinator Jane Gailey, but he outtouched all my other Miami backs, for the second straight week, 13 touches, 82 yards. His involvement in the running and passing game in negative game scripts makes him a valuable asset right now with all the injuries going around. He needs to be owned, as does tight end Mike Gesicki, who's still unowned in over 30% of leagues. Gesicki had eight receptions, 129 yards, and a touchdown this week. Isaiah Ford, wide receiver for the Dolphins, and the most targets and yards for Miami in week two, nine targets, 76 yards. But that was in large part to Preston Williams being covered by Tredavious White. Ford is worth a look in deeper leagues as the Dolphins are going to have to throw a lot to stay in games, but I'm not getting too excited about him. On to the next game, Vikings at Colts. Vikings lost with an 11-28. to <sighs> Kirk Cousins, golden son of everyone at roster watch but me. Has, 90, has a $96 million contract. Kirk Cousins threw for 113 yards and three interceptions on Sunday. And people get on Dak Prescott's case for wanting to get paid. Please. As usual, Cousins is off to a sl- Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Low first half of the season, Although the loss of Stefan Diggs makes this an even uglier start than usual, no Vikings pass catcher other than Adam Thielen is worth considering at this point. 
on to the next game. Jonathan Taylor took over the Colts' backfield, and Marlon Mack said, wasn't even Naheem's Hines, Naheem Hines behind Taylor on Sunday. That role went to Jordan Wilkins, who carried the ball nine times. The Colts were playing with a lead, so Hines' services were not necessary. He's still worth owning, but you're going to have to pick and choose what spot you play him in. He's not an advisable start against the Jets this week. Wilkins might be a shrewd daily play, though, as the Colts are likely to run away with this one, and he could be used to run out the clock. Moali Cox tight end for the Colts, five receptions, 111 yards, started in place of an injured Jack Doyle, and the former basketball player did not disappoint. If Doyle can't go this week, Moali Cox makes for a decent streamer versus the horrendous Jets. And then Paris Campbell, our boy, he can't seem to escape the injury bug as he went down again this time to a PCL injury. Just glad it wasn't an ACL tear, but he's still going to miss some time. Zach Pascal scored in his absence, but it was rookie Michael Pittman who tied with Cox for the target lead of six. Pittman is worth a look in deeper formats as potentially the number two wide receiver in Indy for the time being behind T.Y. Hilton. On to the next game, the Lions of the Packers. Lions lost this one 21-42. The Lions' backfield rotation is frustrating, to say the least. It was on Johnson who scored this week, but neither he nor Adrian Peterson are more than low-ceiling flex plays right now, it seems. DeAndre Swift provides the most upside as he's heavily involved in the passing game. If you take away the scoring, no Lions wide receiver had more than four receptions or 55 yards on the day. The offense sorely misses Kenny Galladay, who is slated to return this week. Only Marvin Jones is worth flexing opposite Galladay if that is the case. And then on the other side of the ball, Devontae Adams suffered two separate injuries on Sunday, though neither seemed serious. Still, both Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Alan Lazard need to be added this week as a precaution in that order of priority, as they would feast if there was no Devontae Adams in the game. On to the next matchup, Falcons at Cowboys, 39-40. to 40. One of the most absurd games I've seen in a long time, a joy to watch. With Julio Jones getting all the intention in the passing game, Matt Ryan is going to need is, and, well, and is going to throw to and has been throwing to his other wide receivers, and they're not disappointing in fantasy. Russell Gage... Six receptions, 46 yards, and a touchdown needs to be added in most formats. He's garnered, garnered 12 and 9 targets over the first two weeks of the season. That's better than a lot of first options on teams. On the other side of the ball, don't look now, but C.D. Lamb is already turning into the premier pass catcher for the Cowboys. That is said he would. Six receptions, 106 yards. I said it this summer, I'm not backing down. Lamb is my favorite to lead the Cowboys in receiving this season. And then tight end Dalton Schultz looks like an apt fill-in for Blake Jarwin. Nine receptions, 88 yards, and a touchdown. He led the Cowboys in targets with 10 in Week 2. And he's worth streaming as long as Blake Jarwin sits. On to the next game, the Giants of the Bears. Giants lost this one 13-17. That wasn't the only thing they lost The worst news of the day, 
has to be for Saquon Barkley, who tore his ACL on Sunday. His season is over, and he'll have surgery shortly. A lot of people expect the Giants to sign Devontae Freeman, and I don't disagree with that move. He should be a high-priority speculative ad in all formats. Wayne Gallman and Deion Lewis would take over the backfield otherwise. Gallman was inactive on Sunday, and that's why you didn't see him in the game after Barkley's injury. Sterling Shepard is dealing with a case of turf toe and could miss the next two weeks. Darius Slayton is already widely owned, but Golden Tate is still available in over 60% of leagues. And he could be, looks like he could be at, at worst the second option on an offense that just lost its bell cow back. So he could be getting a lot of action. He needs to be picked up. On the other side of the ball, the Bears won, but the offense was anemic outside of contributions from David Montgomery and Ricky Darnell Mooney. <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine. Uh, Mitch Trubisky landed firmly back on earth after a transcendent week one, throwing two interceptions and less than 200 yards. As much as we hope and have hoped for an Anthony Miller breakout, I'm not sure it's possible in this offense or with Trubisky under center. Mooney deserves consideration in dynasty formats as he's playing as the number two receiver right now in Chicago. Allen Robinson did have nine targets, but they were low yielding. On to the next game, Washington at the Cardinals. Washington lost this one 15-30. One week after leading Washington in carries, Peyton Barber was relegated to one carry against Arizona. Hope you didn't start him. He can be dropped in most formats as the team is intent on getting Antonio Gibson more touches. And J.D. McKissick is more effective anyways, it seems. McKissick actually deserves consideration in deeper formats or if you lost your running back in week two. He was actually the best looking back on Sunday with a 6.6 yard per carry average. The buck stops with Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas in the Washington passing game, though, as distribution is limited. Thomas definitely needs to be owned in 12-team leagues as he's been second in team targets to only McLaurin this far. On the other side of the ball, Christian Kirk is wasting away in the Arizona receiving core. 49 of the 57 yards he had this week came on one play, and he had only four targets on the day, catching two of them. I think he can be dropped in 12-team leagues right now, as his productive days could be few and far between. I mean, it just seems like a headache to have to decide to play him or not, especially with Andy Isabella working his way into that receiving core. On to the next game, Chiefs at Chargers. Chiefs won this one in overtime, 23-20. to Daryl Williams left the game with an ankle injury on Sunday. Darwin Thompson took over as the number two back behind Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but he probably won't see significant action against Baltimore this week. Might be a shrewd pickup anyway. Sammy Watkins sustained a concussion-related injury on Sunday, forcing him from the game. He's got a clear concussion protocol to be cleared for week three. Otherwise, McCole Harmon can step in in what would be a tough matchup against the Ravens. On the other side of the ball, Justin Herbert was solid in his first outing. And he could be in line to make another start this week if Terod Taylor can't go. He, there, was a, uh, there was a complication with an injection of some sort, and he had a chest injury. I'd be a little wary of starting Herbert, though, as rookie quarterbacks often do well in their first game or two until defenses get tape on them. He should be at least serviceable, though, against Carolina this week and then joshua kelly led the chargers backfield 
out carrying Austin Eckler 23 to 16. Kelly also caught two passes for 49 yards. Only 39% owned in fantasy. Kelly is an every week flex until further notice. He needs to be owned in 98% of leagues, at least. On to the next game, Ravens at Texans. Ravens won this one 33 to 16. Horrible game to watch. The Ravens backfield was a committee once again this week. Unless you're a Ravens fan, then it was, I guess, enjoyable to watch. With J.K. Dobbins taking the back seat this time, Gus Edwards actually led Baltimore in rushing as he closed out the game when the Ravens had a comfortable lead. The Ravens play the Chiefs this week, though, so I don't expect Edwards to get enough action to use in fantasy. No Ravens wide receiver had a fantasy-worthy day, but it is worth mentioning that Miles Boykin was second to Marquise Brown in targets because the Ravens will need all the firepower they can get against the Chiefs this week. Boykins ended up with four receptions for 38 yards. Boykins is a sneaky upside play this week. On the other side of the ball, the Texans looked lost on Sunday, and Will Fuller was nowhere to be seen. Goose egg for Fuller. No injury was reported, yet he was seen stretching on the sideline and came in and out of the game at times. Looks like we might be in for another aggravating season from Fuller. Brandon Cooks is probably owned in your league, but Randall Cobb had a promising six targets for 59 yards against Baltimore. And tight end Jordan Akins was actually second in targets with seven to Cook, who had eight. So those are a couple guys to think about. On to the next game, Patriots at Seahawks. Patriots lost us in 30-35. to 35. Another fun game to watch. Cam Newton threw the ball, the best I've seen him throw it in years on Sunday night. His single passing touchdown went to a fullback, though, so that's not promising for his wide receiver core. But he put up enough yards to make Julian Edelman, uh, Nikhil Harry, and Demir Bird all relevant in PPR formats. Not every week is going to be a shootout like it was against the Seahawks, but it's encouraging to know that Cam still has these kind of games in him. Harry led the team in targets with 12 and should be picked up if you have the space. He has a cherry matchup with the Raiders this week. James White missed a game due to a horrific car accident involving his parents. My prayers go out to him and his family. We wish the best for White, who's likely to return for week three. And yet that's... You know, that's yet to be seen, though, actually. Rex Burkhead got quite a bit of run in his stead and would be a low-floor flex should White happen to sit this week. Russell Wilson looked like the best deep ball quarterback in the league on Sunday night, as usual, throwing five perfect touchdowns to five different pass catchers on the night. That being said, only Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are advisable starts in the passing game moving forward, as no other player had more than three targets and 48 yards on the night. And then we come to the game with the Saints and the Raiders. Saint, I mean, the Raiders actually won this one. I was <laughs> shockingly surprised. I don't know if I'll say pleasantly surprised. I'm not necessarily a Raiders fan. But Emmanuel Sanders... Not the game we were expecting from him. He barely made a dent in the box score. One of three targets for 18 yards for the Saints in week two. I know a lot of people were depending on him, so that's 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 a that's a rough that's a rough go. It was actually Traquan Smith who led 
the Saints in receiving five of seven targets for 86 yards. And Smith looks like the, the guy to go to own moving forward as long as Michael Thomas is out. On the other side of the ball, it was all it was all Darren Waller, who was second, I believe, in the league in tight end reception yards last season. But he only scored, I think, three times on the season. Uh, and he scored that many times just in his first week um, of the NFL season. Anyways, oh, I guess we cannot forget about Jalen Richard, who wore two times for 26 yards and a touchdown. I guess we can forget about him. Those are just two plays. Um, so he's not somebody to um, necessarily consider for fantasy. And Waller. Not three touchdowns, just one touchdown, but he's already got a third of the amount he had last season. And Derek Carr actually played surprisingly well. I usually have a lot of hate for Carr in fantasy. But 282 yards, three touchdowns, he's worth streaming in plus matchups as that Raiders offense looks a lot better than I thought they would. And that Saints offense looks like about as good as I thought they would without Michael Thomas in it. Anyway, that's it for the fantasy fallout going into week three of the NFL season. I hope you can use some of this information to your advantage because it's going to be a rough season, it looks like, with all these injuries that are happening. I guess in part due to no preseason and a shortened off season. So, yeah, get ready, folks. It's going to be a trashy season, but that's kind of the way we like it, or at least the way I like it here at rosterwatch.com. On behalf of the rest of the crew at rosterwatch.com, this is the Trash Man. This has been the Garbage Grab. Until next time, be ready. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.